What's up, fellow hardgainers? Welcome back to the Building Key Fitness Podcast, where you follow me, Timothy Averill, as I traverse the life of a hardgainer, aspiring personal trainer, college student, <laughs> as I constantly acquire new knowledge and make a lot of mistakes, of course, um, so that you can learn how to better build and keep um, more muscle, confidence, health, and a better life overall. I did that intro from memory, which is why it's a little bit scuffed. But anyway, in today's episode, which is episode 40, we've reached episode 40, (laughs) but episode 40 of the podcast, basically I'm going to do a wrap-up of Rep Week. Now, before you click off, um, because maybe you've watched all those episodes of Rep Week, um, which there were four, if you haven't checked them out, there were the four episodes previous to this, talking about various topics um, related to reps and how you should perform them and the specifics of um, reps. So before you click off, today is still important, even if you have, today's episode is still important to listen to, even if you have listened to the others, because today is going to be a more cohesive, uh, quick wrap-up of the episodes. Um, The other episodes were longer, and I had conclusions kind of spread um, throughout, so this is a very good, this episode's a very good way to wrap it all up, and really get the main conclusions and takeaways from those episodes all in one go rather than having to go back through if you didn't understand or remember anything and listen through um all those episodes a bunch of times which if you want to do that cool um but this is just a quicker and easier way i think for you guys to do that so without further ado we're going to first talk about to start the very first episode of rep week which was training to failure and we're going to talk about the takeaways from that episode and the conclusions then things that you need to focus on and remember from that so first of all um a big thing with training to failure is that we need more research there is some research out there right now but we need more research for it to be more conclusive as said by uh doctor or not doctor yeah doctor mike isretal who has a phd in sports physiology and is a um big expert on a lot of topics related to sport physiology um he he says that we need to have more um, research and i totally agree with that um also we know that um when you get closer to failure the hypertrophic yield per rep increases but even though it increases it's not a linear increase and there's no hard cut off for example six reps in um reps in the tank or reps in reserve rir for shorts six rir is still going to cause muscle growth even though it's less than 5 RIR, and there seems to be an inflection point at about 5 RIR where it starts to really go up. But anyway, like I said, it's not a linear progression. It's more of an S-curve. So a 5 is probably um, where the inflection point is. And then as you increase, um, the difference between 5 and 4 is a lot bigger than the difference between 2 and 1 or even 1 and 0. Um, the difference in those specific reps um, decreases. So while technically one rep in revert, one RER is, has a little bit more hypertrophic yield than two RER, the difference is a lot smaller than the jump between five and four RER. <coughs> so, um, out of all the information that we gathered in that episode, we concluded that the kind of ideal, uh, RER or the ideal, um, way you should be training to failure is to train up to um, one to three RAR. So you're training until you have approximately one to three reps in reserve or reps in the tank. And the reasoning for this is it still maximizes mus- it still maximizes motor unit recruitment, still maximizes workout volume, still maximize uh, muscle protein synthesis. And those were three main arguments for people 
um, arguing that you should train to failure, it's shown that um, one to three RER um, yields similar, if not statistically the same um, results. Also, another pro of one to three RER is it's less effort required, it's less taxing, less fatiguing mentally and physically. Um, it doesn't compromise your recovery, and it's shown to have the same muscle growth as training to failure. But even with that being said, there are a little, a couple small caveats to this because, um, as I believe I've said before on this podcast, but I also know that Jeff Nippert has said this, and sports physiology and fitness in this whole big clump of information and topics that um, this kind of podcast resides in. There are very, very few things, if any, that are always right, always true, and hard, fast rules. So, in the spirit of that, um, there are a couple little caveats. First off, um, when Jeff Nippert looked at a bunch of different, um, a bunch of different studies, he basically concluded two things: um, one about untrained lifters and one about well-trained lifters. Because um, the studies that saying that are saying failure is better for muscle growth were done with untrained lifters, um, it can be concluded that untrained lifters can benefit a little bit more um, from training to failure. And um, on the flip side, because um, most, except for one of all of the articles stating that there's no difference between training to failure and training close to failure, or no difference training to failure or not training to failure, I'm not quite sure on that. But regardless, um, most of these studies contained well-trained lifters, so it can again be concluded that well-trained lifters can get away um, with, can get away with or even benefit a little bit from staying a few reps shy of failure. Um, whereas, again, untrained lifters can go a little bit closer to, if not at, failure. Another caveat is compound versus isolation. <coughs> Excuse me. Compound versus isolation exercises. For compound lifts, you're definitely going to want to stay one to three reps off of failure because A, it's safer. Um, B, they're similar, if not very close to the same muscular gains from going a little bit farther to failure. Um, but it may allow for increased training volume. And for compound lifts especially, um, you want to, like I said, training to failure can decrease your recovery. So you want to have better recovery so you can go after that next set um, and really get the strength benefits from it, which is a big reason for doing compound exercises. For isolation exercises, um, you can probably train closer to or at failure even um, because it's single joint, so it's not um, as taxing on the body or taxing on the joints, isolation exercises. Um, and you can also use um, things such as drop sets or pause sets. Um, these type of intensifiers, if they're used right, um, can have a greater long-term... Um, sorry, I said that wrong. If they're used right, you can use drop sets and rest pause sets where you're taking isolation movements to failure as long as you continue um, with a greater long-term focus rather than just getting lost in these intensifiers. And also you're aware of the fatigue that this is putting on your body. So those are the um, main takeaways for the training to failure episode. Now we're going to get into the next episode, uh, which is about rep ranges and higher versus lower reps. Now to talk about uh, the different rep ranges that you can use. First of all, there seems to be a um, what's called the strength endurance continuum that a lot of people seem to um, believe in and agree with, which is basically from two to six reps is strength, six to 12 reps is the hypertrophy rep range, and 12 to 15 plus is endurance. Um, now we're going to focus on the hypertrophy rep range. 
Um, but to clarify, the what's, what's called the ideal hypertrophy rep range or the hypertrophy rep range. Um, in this example, it's six to twelve. However, whether it starts at six or eight, or whether it even ten, some people say the hypertrophy rep range is eight to twelve, ten to twelve, um, maybe eight to like fifteen. Regardless, this area of moderately high reps and thus moderately high weight. Um, is what we're going to classify the hypertrophy rep range. For the purpose of this, we're going to define it as 6 to 12. However, it's not exactly like a hard cutoff with the rep number. Just understand that. Um, but anyway, um, we found from the episode, um, it was concluded that basically the muscle growth uh, you receive will be similar regardless of the rep range you use. That is to say, whether you use very high reps, very low reps, moderate reps, whatever, you're going to see similar very similar, in fact, um, muscle growth. So scientifically, scientifically speaking, from just a pure muscle like muscle growth standpoint, scientifically we know that the hypertrophy rep range is false. However, um, if you look at it more practically, um, it starts to have more merits. Um, first of all, the six to twelve rep range is the most effective rep range um, to accumulate volume. Um, and in the 6 to 12 rep range, you, you're using weights heavy enough to provide adequate tension on the muscle. Um, you're less likely to experience joint pains and aches, which you would with lower rep ranges. Um, and there's minimal metabolic exhaustion, which you would receive with higher rep ranges. So thus, with all that, it's basically, we're, we're saying that practically speaking, even though scientifically we know it's false, Practically speaking, there is an ideal rep range for hypertrophy because that rep range 6 to 12 reps It enables you to properly accumulate a lot of volume most effectively without overtaxing the body Whether that tax be in the form of extra fatigue or joint extra pains or metabolic exhaustion <clears throat> Now another reason that we discovered um, from Athlean-X um, for the what he defined as the 10 to 12 rep range was a total time under tension um from all that i've um, heard from athlean x and watching a bunch of his videos there seems to be a sweet spot at least from his perspective of about 45 to 60 seconds time under tension and when you have a 10 to 12 second rep range you tend to hit that sweet spot a little bit better maybe a few reps after 12 hits it even better um but like i said exact numbers aren't really the focus of this <clears throat> however with that being said about the hypertrophy rep range there's still benefits to doing lower rep sets and benefits to doing higher rep sets lower rep set or lower rep range benefits include ma mainly the main benefit is that it's better for strength gains um it um, trains strength better and when it trains strength better um this is really good for hypertrophy because it allows you to push more weight on other exercises um, such as compound exercises, big compound exercises. They allow for more progressive overload when you're increasing your strength because as you get stronger, you're able to put more weight on the bar. So you're increasing the tension as you go and theoretically that'll increase the hypertrophy as well. Um, so training strength and increasing your overall strength levels is really good for hypertrophy mainly because of progressive overload but also simply the fact that as you increase strength you increase you you're able to increase your weight which is um which increases the tension on the muscle now for higher reps um this is really good for training uh, muscular endurance um also on top of that it doing sets of higher reps allows you to push through metabolic fatigue 
um, because you're doing those high reps and you're going to feel a burn a lot of the time when you're doing high reps that's close close to failure you're going to feel a burn so it allows you to push through that burn push through that metabolic fatigue which can of course help you in other exercises when you need to get a couple more reps out but your muscle really hurts it training in higher up sets allows you to get that kind of mental and physical toughness to push through and get the work in other sets that you need to get done um higher up sets may also slightly boost um your muscle growth due to this added added metabolic stress again there's not a whole lot of um research like hard um, research on metabolic stress and how much that affects hypertrophy. However, it is believed that it is possible that increased metabolic stress will, can increase hypertrophy. So there's that added benefit as well. <clears throat> Another thing with higher upsets is um, when doing exercises with higher upsets, it help, really helps you maximize your mind-muscle connection and minimize your joint stress. Um, and generally speaking, isolation exercises are better with higher upsets and compound exercises are better with lower upsets. <clears throat> um, on top of that, there were some um, specific volume recommendations that we went into in that episode. Uh, I'll refer you to that episode if you want to hear that. Basically, it's um, I forgot what episode it was. I believe if this was 40, then it would have been 37. Um, so, yeah, it's the rep range episode. Um, go check that out if you want to hear the specific recommendations um, or specific examples and how you can implement this kind of um, volume into your training. But basically, you want, according to Jeremy Ethier, you want 60 to 70% of your sets um, in the 6 to 12 rep range. And then um, the rest of that percentage, so um, that would be 40 to 30%, would be split evenly between 2 to 6 reps rep range and 12 to 15 plus rep range. Um, Jeffrey, not Jeffrey, um, Jeff Nippard, um, gave a very similar recommendation where he basically said six to 15 reps should be approximately 75% of your total volume. And then the remaining volume should be split evenly between six and lower reps and 15 and higher reps. Um, but that is the conclusions for the rep range video. So now we're going to talk about the tempo episode and the conclusions and takeaways from that. Now talking about uh, lifting tempo, sorry about the long pause there, I had it paused and I wasn't sure if it was going, so if there was a long pause, I apologize, but speaking of lifting tempos, um, first of all, the, we went over the benefits of slow versus fast um, temp lifting tempos for reps. The main, main benefit for the slow reps was a greater time under tension, which theoretically would cause a greater metabolic response. And, um, or w which would cause a greater metabolic response and theoretically cause greater muscle growth. However, um, it was shown by a study that we talked about that um, time under tension isn't really the most important factor for muscle growth. And in that study, slow versus fast tempo, slow tempo um, had a lot more time under tension, but not as big of a growth um, in the muscle size as the fast tempo group. Um, other benefits with the with using fast reps, fast tempos, um, is you can use more weight and do more reps. Um, and this ability that you get from using faster reps to lift heavier loads can increase muscle fiber recruitment and thus increase activation and increase tension on the muscle. Um, another study we found showed that very slow lifting tempo doesn't sufficiently activate the higher threshold type 2 muscle fibers, um, which thus has less overall muscle activation and presumably presumably less growth of the target muscle 
So with all that, we kind of concluded or surmised that fast tempo seems to be scientifically better. Um, but when you get into the area of how fast you should be going, there was actually a discrepancy that we found um, where Jeremy Ethier and Jeff Nippert actually looked at the exact same meta-analysis done by Schoenfeld et al. in 2015 of a bunch of different um, articles and scientific literature about lifting tempo. Um, Jeremy Ethier found that there seemed, from this meta-analysis that there seems to be an optimal lifting tempo of about 2 to 6 seconds, and Jeff Nippert found that um, from the range of 0 0.5 second tempo to 8 second tempo, there seems to be a similar hypertrophy, and by similar, it was statistically insignificant difference, so essentially, for all intents and purposes, the same hypertrophy. And because of this discrepancy, we essentially concluded that because of this big discrepancy from the same exact meta-analysis, which I don't understand how they did. But anyway, this discrepancy, because of this, is this this discrepancy is a really good reason for us to focus on kind of what, um, to focus on a couple of recommendations. First of all, don't want to obsess over the exact numbers. Lifting tempo, according to Jeff Nippard, is very low in the order of importance of a bunch of different subjects and concepts. So you don't want to obsess over the exact numbers and remember mainly two things. For the concentric portion of the exercise, you want to use a concentric speed or concentric speed on the faster side. Um, that lets you feel your muscle work to, so you want to increase your muscle connection because it's extremely important. So you want to make sure that you can feel your muscle work throughout the whole movement. And ideally, you want to minimize momentum. Now, on the faster side, um, for concentric speed, it's anywhere from one to two seconds, and that's depending on how you feel completely. But again, you want it to be a little bit faster. And then f during the eccentric portion of the rep, you want to actively control the weight against gravity. Um, because controlling the eccentric portion of the rep seems to lead to greater muscle and strength gains. <clears throat> so that's something you really want to focus on in lieu or in light of this discrepancy um, between the ideas of Jeff Nippert and Jeremy Ethier um, from the same meta-analysis, which is still weird. Um, now, to clarify, that's for muscle growth. Um, if you're talking about strength gains, you definitely want faster bar speeds. Um, seem to increase strength gains a lot more. Um, and on top of all this, you can be creative with your tempo um, of for specific exercises. As long as you're doing it with a purpose, you can train for power, train for enhanced eccentrics, train for increasing your technique or form on an exercise. You can train for more metabolic stress, and you can alter the, and manipulate the tempos or the exercise to train those specific things if you're doing it for a specific purpose. Overall, though, um, combining different lifting tempos could be better because, um, or combining different lifting tempos or um, using different specific tempos for specific exercises uh, may be better. Um, there's no actual literature for or against this idea, but from me personally, I know that using slower lifting tempos um, really helped me with my building a mind muscle connection with the muscle, but also feeling more focused tension on the muscle. So maybe that's um, using slow tempos for that will have short-term detriments as in um, it won't be it, I won't get as much short-term muscle gain as I would from doing a faster tempo on let's say for example a lateral raise but if me doing slow lateral raises um, makes me feel more concentrated 
and focus tension on that muscle and make increases gives me more of a mind muscle connection with that muscle that can have carryover in the long term to other exercises so it can have long-term benefits as well and that's my personal opinion so i think you definitely should mix high rep or fast reps and slow reps however it does seem to fully point that fast reps are better than slow reps also i want to emphasize that on the order of importance overall it's not very important for lifting tempo and it doesn't need to be as complicated super complicated you don't need to make it complicated for most exercises but it can make training more interesting and more specific um, which is really good for keeping your workouts consistent and sticking with it now to talk about um, rep load that is to say heavy versus lightweights basically um through the episode it was concluded that both heavy and lightweights um, have their own specific benefits and you should be doing a combination of both um, first to do a quick review of the benefits for heavyweights um, first off heavyweights was defined for the purposes of this episode as the weight you use in a rep range of about uh, three to eight reps I'm gonna actually extend that to two to eight reps um, but yeah that's about what heavy is going to be for the purpose of this episode uh, and the previous episode where I actually talked about this in depth um, First benefit is um, increasing your weight or lifting heavy causes more overload, which not only increases muscle stress, um, but it also is challenging, which can have a lot of benefits just from a mental and personal perspective. Um, Lifting heavy can also help expose your imbalances and compensations on different exercises, such as the squat or the bench press, as long as you're, of course, staying in control and staying safe and lifting heavy enough to expose these imbalances and compensations, but not too heavy to put yourself in danger um lifting heavy also helps maximize mTOR which is an enzyme that's a catalyst for protein synthesis um thus the bottom line for that is mTOR speeds up or makes it more possible for muscle to grow through the reaction of protein synthesis protein synthesis sorry um and it does it maximizes mTOR because um mTOR um, the amount of mTOR produced in a given workout um, increases as you um, have more force production. Um, and you can um, get more force production by lifting heavy. Another reason to lift heavy is because um, fast twitch muscle fibers are mostly activated as the load gets heavier. These muscle fibers are bigger than smaller um, slow twitch muscle fibers. On top of that, they have a larger capacity for glycogen. Like, for glycogen storage when glycogen goes into the muscle fibers water also goes in so you can get a cell volumization effect which increases the cell size and thus increases the muscle size you can also do what's called a touch up sets where you're basically using a heavier weight than you're used to in order to um, get more comfortable with the weights um, and also make your working weight feel lighter um, bringing your lower end strength up and over time increasing your full strength level for, which of course is beneficial as we talked about earlier um, for hypertrophy because as you increase your strength you're able to put more weight on the bar or increase the number of reps you do in a set regardless the point is you're tr- you're able to progressively overload more which is a big driver for hypertrophy on top of this um, when you use heavy weights correctly you can also use them um, on certain exercises to overload the eccentric of the movements where you're kind of cheating the weight up a little bit and then actively controlling it on the way down as long as you're doing this safely of course and with the weight you can handle but you can pick a heavier weight on let's say for example a cheat lateral raise 
um, you can cheat the weight up and control and over the control the weight on the way down, overloading the eccentric and thus increasing muscle activation or muscle growth. Sorry. Now the reasons for lifting light, and for the purpose of this episode, we're going to define light as 15 plus reps. So the reasons for lifting light are first of all, um, type 2A or type 2 oxidative fibers are conducive to muscle growth, and you can hit these or activate these muscle fibers by taking higher reps to failure, as Athlete Next says, or as Jeff Cavalier says, um, but because of what we talked about earlier, I'm going to change to failure um, to close to failure or to failure. Anyway, regardless, that's semantics, but by taking higher reps to failure or close to failure, whatever, um, you can better activate these fibers, and you can, of course, do this by higher reps, so lighter weights lighter weight higher rep sets there's also a common myth that training in higher rep ranges will only work type 1 muscle fibers which is kind of ridiculous considering type 1 muscle fibers are mostly used for activities um with very long duration and by very long duration i mean walking throughout the day long running like that kind of length and you should never ever in fact it's probably very very near impossible if not impossible for you to do set to do a set of any exercise long enough to really activate type one muscle fibers since they activate during walking throughout the day and long distance running and that kind of stuff another reason for um lifting lights is that it allows you to kind of dig deep um become more resistance to fatigue mentally and physically um another reason is because you can really have focused control really focused controlled contractions increasing the mind muscle connection with the muscle and of course as i said earlier this has more carryover to other exercises and heavier exercises and because can thus can thus have a lot of long-term benefits you can also um you can also combine uh low weight high rep sets with different intensifiers such as run the rag drop sets rest pause sets etc um to increase uh, intensity and thus increase overload on the muscle. And then another reason for lifting lights is that it can kind of promote recovery. First of all, because you can do light exercises when your joints are stressed um, from other workouts, specifically workouts where you're doing a lot of lower rep, higher weight sets. Um, So when your joints are stressed from that, you can still get work on the muscle um, and you can still use the joints with lower weight exercises so you don't you're still getting that work on the muscle without um you're still getting that work on the muscle you're not skipping a day but you're also not um adding more stress to the joints because of course if you add too much stress to a joint you can injure it and that's a big problem for if you're trying to lift but on top of that um another way it promotes recovery is um higher up sets can promote increased blood flow which can clear out the metabolites forming in your working muscle, which can leave it more refreshed and more recovered. And again, if you don't know what metabolites are, the best way I can explain this is that when you're doing metabolic stress or training for metabolic stress, you're building up metabolites in your working muscle. You're building them up there and you're keeping them there. And that's why you feel that stress. For any of you listening who've ever done a metabolic stress workout or you felt a burn what's called the burn if you felt that burn that's metabolic stress that's metabolites building up your muscle and that can of course cause a lot of fatigue and soreness so obviously if you're clearing out metabolites from the working muscle it makes sense why you feel more refreshed and promote and why this would promote recovery another way you can incorporate light weights 
to increase muscle growth is by overloading the concentric, whereas with the heavy weights we overload the eccentric, you can overload the concentric of an exercise with light weights. For example, um, a strict form lateral raise where you're performing you're performing a lot of arrays with strict form and you're delivering focused tension to the muscle. That's another way you can use light weights. Now, even with all of that, that's main, all that information is mainly for muscle growth. Um, but if you're training for athleticism, functional strength, performance, you want to focus on training power, which is speed applied to strength. Um, so for that, you're going to want to choose a weight that's kind of in between heavy and light. So maybe a little bit on the heavier side, um, but you want to focus on concentrically exploding, um, exploding through the rep, and then controlling on the way down. So um, if you're trying to train for athleticism, functional strength, performance, you want to train for power, and that's how you do it. It's a little bit different than um, the information we just went over, um, which was more geared towards muscle growth. Whew. That was it. Um, that was it for the episode. Thank you guys for watching. Hopefully you... Um, like this review of the episodes you got good takeaways hopefully maybe the information sticks with you a little bit better now but anyway thank you guys so much for listening um i really appreciate it as always um uh if you have any questions comments concerns feedback suggestions or ideas for any past content that i've done or any future content that i could do um feel free to leave a comment down below on YouTube, if you're on YouTube, when this eventually goes on to YouTube, um, or email me at buildingkeepfitness at gmail.com. That will be in the episode description. Um, give me specific feedback. I would really appreciate it. If you're on YouTube, um, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Again, would really appreciate it. That would be awesome. Um, if you're listening to this on a podcasting platform and you haven't heard about my YouTube channel, go check it out. Um, the channel link is in the podcast, overall podcast description. If you go over there and just subscribe, I would appreciate it. Um, But thank you guys so much for listening. Have a great day and good.